Shalom everyone. Chapter 25 of Yecheskel begins a section of the book which discusses the nations of the region rather than the kingdom of Judah in its diaspora in Babylon. And our chapter focuses on four of Judah's neighbours, Edom, Ammon, Moab and the Philistines. The prophecies have a similar structure. They begin with Ko Amar Hashem, so said Hashem, then Ya'an, because because you did X, rejoiced when the temple was destroyed. Lachen, therefore, God will bring upon you why you will be delivered into the hands of the nations. And they end with Vidata or Vidatem Kiani Hashem. You will know that I am the Lord, says God. And indeed, when the Babylonian Empire destroys Judah, it also occupies the entire area. And it's interesting to examine what happens to these four nations. The Philistines are thought to have been absorbed into the Neo-Babylonian Empire and its, its successor, the Persian Empire, and disappear as a distinct ethnic group by the late 5th century BCE. Regarding Moab, Josephus writes that its territory was captured by the Babylonians at a similar time to Israel, perhaps a bit later, Encyclopedia Britannica writes that it was ultimately resettled by the Nabataeans in the 4th to 3rd century BCE. The Ammonites continue in place even longer in that they still exist during the time of the Maccabees when they try and resist the revival of Jewish power. Edom is perhaps the most interesting in that there's a distinction between the ethnic group in how rabbinic thought comes to view them. Edom is subject to destruction in the 6th century BCE, when nomadic tribes infiltrate its territory and exert pressure on the Edomites, who turn towards Judah and settle in its southern region, an area which in Hellenistic thought is known as Edomia, and the area is ultimately conquered by the Nabataeans. But in rabbinic thought, Edom is considered by the rabbis become Rome and then later Christianity and in that sense they live on even until today. But it could be argued that verses from the chapter, part real, part fictionalized, became one of if not the most famous or most quoted biblical verses in modern culture when they were delivered by Samuel L. Jackson in Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction in 1994. Ezekiel 25:17. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. As those who have read the chapter will know, Tarantino makes some, perhaps most, of these parts up. 
There's no righteous man or brother's keeper in our chapter, nor is there a shepherd or a valley of death. All phrases more likely to be found in the story of Cain and Abel or in Psalms. But the one part that is accurate is, and they will know my name is the Lord. I haven't counted, but it's possible that this phrase appears more often than any other in the book of Ezekiel. Just in this chapter, it appears four times. But there's a problem with this statement by God. And despite repeating this phrase like a mantra, they don't know that he's the Lord. Even after they're exiled, even after the temple has been destroyed, even after God's rage has been demonstrated to them, they continue in their evil ways. I'm wary of trying to do a psychological reading of God. Sally Rumbum would not like it. But the God that appears in our book is frustrated, angry, anguished and despairing. He says things like, you complain about my ways, what about your ways? He wants them to listen and know, but they do neither. God repeats this over and over again, even when we have consistent proof of the opposite. So perhaps we should understand this phrase not as a promise by God, but rather as God trying to convince himself that there's something he can do to make the people know him. That perhaps if only he did X, then suddenly the veil of ignorance would be lifted from their eyes. But perhaps there isn't. Perhaps they're just not so into him. The Jewish thinker who would not, indeed does not shrink from evaluating the character of God as it appears in the Bible, is Abraham Joshua Heschel. And in his, books, in his book, The Prophets, he writes about a particularly difficult word to pronounce, anthropotropism, which means a turning in the direction of man by God. Calling it one of the fundamental features of religious consciousness, Heschel describes it as a sense of being reached, being found, being sought after sense of being pursued. And this thought inspires his book, God in Search of Man. All of human history as seen by the Bible is the history of God in search of man. In spite of man's failure, over and over, God does not abandon his hope to find righteous men. Man is needed, Heschel writes. He is a need of God. God's dream is not to be alone but to have mankind as a partner in the drama of continuous creation. Recently, the online pages of Mosaic featured a debate over a book by Leon Cass called Founding God's Nation, Reading Exodus. And one of the core aspects of this debate is God. Hill Halkin published a review saying that in the Hebrew Bible, humans never learn, but neither does God. He calls God the eternal optimist. Failure after failure, he keeps on trying. Quoting the Yiddish proverb, man plans and God laughs, Halkin says that in the Bible, read to its tragic depths, the last cruelest laugh is always on God. Cass meanwhile responded by saying there's no need to feel sorry for God. He doesn't have unrealistic expectations of humanity. But reading through the book of Ezekiel, whenever God f 
furiously states that they will know my name is the Lord. It's a bit hard not to feel sorry for God and to feel his expectations aren't matched by the reality. Because for generation after generation, God's dream, his hope, his need, as Heschel describes them, have been unrequited. And Tarantino or no Tarantino, it's driving him towards furious anger. <laughs>